0: out, and um, let's just jump on into it, please. Brand new series, and one that I'm excited about. And the graphic says it all. And if I can put my graphic back up, I want you to see. This is uh, a graphic of a person leaping across a wall. She's leaping. It's a woman. I love it. And she is uh, incredible. And um, there is, uh, I don't know if those at home can see it. It would be great if they could. But I think it's a wonderful um, a wonderful um, illustration of what it takes in order to achieve success in life, what it takes for you to, to climb the mountain of, of victory in your life. There are times when after you've talked, after you've conversated, that's what we talked about all year long. We have one question we ask all year long, and the question this year was what conversations do you need to have? What courageous conversations do you need to have in order to change your life? And after you have these conversations, there comes a moment when you got to do what this woman's doing. you got to leap you got to leap up and jump across uh, the ravine, the wall, or whatever you're facing. Everybody understands this. When you have children, there are just moments when you just have to have faith. When you're in school, there are moments you just have to have courageous faith. There are moments in life when you are in a love relationship and it's just not going well. We stay together by faith. We say we're going to jump over this issue, this disagreement. We're going to jump over this moment of frustration there are moments in a career that you have to have courageous faith come everybody say courageous Courageous faith." faith courageous confidence some of you are amazed that you made it this far through some of the things you've gone through but you made it because of courageous faith now what I want to do is I want to get you to think with me though about a verse Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 which is our launching pad verse for this series we'll be here on the entire month and um, I, I think you will find it all the way through the Christmas season, a very inspiring series. Hebrews chapter 11, verse six <clears throat> says, without faith, it is what? Impossible. 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 Pause right there. <clears throat> without faith, it is what? Just right there. Stop right there. He starts off the conversation in Hebrews chapter 11 before he begins to list a group of incredibly incredible faith models. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. It all, it all depends, it's all tied to what you believe. Without faith, without belief, it's impossible. So the question is, what do you really believe? Because if your belief system is not right, it's impossible. And so you want to really nail down your belief system. So listen to this. Because of the way some people live, the way they think, and the choices they make, some things are what? Impossible for them. This series will explore what is possible for you and what is not possible for you. I want you to just think about that for a minute. I'm going to, I'm going to say something that's not popular People don't often say this to you. As a matter of fact, when someone says it to you, you can get a little bit indignant. They, if they looked at you and say, it's impossible for you to ever have a good wife. The way you, because of the way you think, the choices you make, the way you live, there's no way a good woman would ever stay with you. You will never make the kind of money you want. They will never promote you. It's impossible for you to be promoted with that attitude. They don't want you that close to them. They want to keep you way way over there. Because every time you're close, you're critical. Every time you're close, you disagree with everything. So because of the way youth live, the way you think, the choices you make, some things are impossible for you. So the question is what is possible for you and what is not possible for you. According to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, all of this is tied to your faith. You will discover that faith is not just believing. Faith is believing to be, big statement, true, what God told you, has told you. If you believe certain things, you would do certain things. I can tell you. Now, this is important. This is how you find out what you believe. Look at what you do. What you do is is a real strong reflection of what you believe. And that's why, for me, if I really want to know where Ricky is... I need to look at Ricky's habits, Ricky's daily routines. Next month, we'll talk about all of that. It's really going to be a great series. You don't want to miss next month. I got a great series, brand-new series for the year, whole new theme called Building a Better Me. How about an amen of that, huh? Yeah. Building a Better Me. I'm. A, how do you build a better you? How do you, how do you turn that around? How do you – I, I wasn't going to call it cutting new paths. That's, paths. That's what you've heard me say for months now, cutting new paths and lighting new, lighting new, path, lighting new ways, but flames, rather. But I don't know. All of that is about building something. And in order to build a new you, it all starts with faith. It all starts with you believing. Your belief system says a lot. The reason you're late to work is because you don't believe they're going to fire you. If you really believed they were going to fire you. And when they do, you're shocked. You're, oh, my God, the devil. No, no, it's on the paper when you signed up. Three tardies, right, equals, you know what I'm saying, a write-up, then four, and then on the fifth one, you're fired. They told you, but it's not the devil. It's you, late. You slept in. Remember, that's why you're no longer employed. And so there's something about understanding that my belief system is an educator in my life. I can learn about Ricky, the reason that you are where you are in your life, financially, emotionally, the way I, where I am right now. It's tied to my belief system. So I've learned to, I'm working on improving my belief system. Uh, And and I think it's really a hard thing. So what I want to do is I want to show you, and it's hard because it's hard to face. I don't want to believe that. I don't want to look at my house and see it's a mess and say, I believe in this. But it is true. The reason it's like this all the time is because I believe in messy. I've embraced that as part of my culture. The reason these french fries are in the back seat of the car back here from last week is because I believe in having snacks around. <laughs> and when people get in the car, I lie and say, oh, God, I can't believe these kids. No, no. This is a family culture. This is a family culture. This is how we live. This is our belief system. I drop my clothes on the floor. This is a belief system. It's, it, it's not him. You cuss everybody out who makes you mad. That's your belief system. You think that's the language. It's your second language. And so if you, if you, if you think that way, if you can, can deal with that, why do I watch those shows? Why, do I, why am I entertained by that? Why do I enjoy strife? I sit here for hours, and, and then I know the whole, and then I watch what's going to happen next week, and then why do I know all that? My belief system. Can you say my belief system? No, no, come on, say, it's what, it's what I believe. Come on, say it and say, it's what, I it's what I believe. If you are fighting with people all the time, if you are constantly in every relationship, eventually you are fighting and cussing, that's your belief system. Come on, say, that's what I believe. Come on. Believe. It is what you believe. No, it's not. Yes, it is, because everybody you've dated, you went through this. Every marriage, every situation, every school, every job, it doesn't matter. This is part of your belief system. And so because you you believe this, you draw this to yourself, you seek it out, you start a fight if there are no fights, you like to fight. There's some pretty girls who like to fight. He's not a man unless we fight. And they talk to him like that. Don't be a wimp. Don't be so soft. You know, they want a tough, I want a gangbanger. You know, they want a tough man. And so that's how how they, they take a good man and make him a gangbanger. That's part of their culture. And, it's, and if you visit their family of origin, it's in the family. And that's what you believe. So here's the question. Do you think maybe the belief system of your family needs to be changed? That maybe the family has developed a culture that's unhealthy long term. All of us lose our men. All of us get divorced. All of us get pregnant. All of us lie. All of us go to jail. All of us, all of us, all of us go to church and don't live right. All of us, all of us, all of us. I won't say the name of the celebrity, but it was amazing. They painted her as this incredibly uh, nice person and kind person. But in reality, her family did drugs and they drank. and they were. In, but it was not what she appeared to be at all. And I never will forget her husband saying, you guys don't know her. You need to read a story. <laughs> it's, it's not what it appears. I'm not putting her down. I'm not throwing you because I didn't say any names. Don't guess. I'm just making a point. Because there's a lot of people that fit into this category. They, they remake you in Hollywood. They dress up who you really are. And what's really powerful is if I sit back and think about this, that's why it's impossible. That's why I keep landing in the same spot. There are four men that we find in Hebrews chapter 11 who had courageous faith. And this chapter is full of people who have faith. And we're only going to deal with the first four. And here's why. Here's the big reason why. It's a deep reason. Because they are the first four mentioned. (laughs) And I could spend a lot of time going through the whole chapter, but, you know, not today. And and you can't do everything. That's what gets you in trouble preaching. Try to say everything you know. Just the first four. So here are the first four guys. Say the names with me, please. Say Abel, Abel. Enoch. Noah and Abraham. Abraham. Four guys, four individuals, and each of them modeled for us courageous faith. Now, let me show you in Abel's life. Abel believed and offered God what he, what he asked for. Say that with me, please. Come on. Abel believed and offered God what he asked for. Now, Cain, his brother, offered God what he wanted to offer God. That's the difference between the two of them. And Cain and Abel were the first sons of Abraham, I'm sorry, Abraham, Adam and Eve. Look at chapter, um, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. By faith, Abel offered to God a more what? Excellent sacrifice than Cain. So they came to the sacrifice time, right? And Cain decided to give God fruit from the ground. But that's not what God asked him. God asked for him to kill an animal and, and to offer a sacrifice. Abel gave him what he asked for. Cain did what he wanted to do. Cain is more like us. We give God what we please. We give God what we desire to give him. He needs to be happy for what we choose to give him, the crumbs we choose to give him. Whether it be money, time, effort, whatever it is, what we offer God is what he deserves. Now, we want God to give us what we want, but we don't want to ever really be pushed to be obedient to him. And so Abel was obedient. He offered God what he asked for, and that's a sign of Abel's belief system. Abel believed it was right to give God what he asked for. Cain didn't care. Cain did not care. The Bible goes on to say, um, by faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he, being dead, still speaks. Even though he died, he, his, his life still, spoke, uh, still speaks. And, and think about this. He, this is a guy who was murdered by his brother Cain. Cain was angry that God accepted uh, Abel's sacrifice. And so he, it's, I call it, it, it really call it in psychological terms, misapplied anger. Why are you mad with Abel? He didn't do it. Are you mad because people do better than you? What has that got to do with them? That's just not fair. But Abel's belief system was what made him special. Cain's belief system is what got him in trouble. Second guy, I want you to look at his name, Enoch. Now, please notice, Enoch believed and was committed to pleasing God. That's what made him special. Listen to this statement, chapter uh, 11, verse 4, or 5. By faith, Enoch was taken so, away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Now, I'll read more about this later, but I want you to just get this basic picture. The guy named Enoch was basically walking with God, and one day, God just said, come on, go with me. He took him. and But I want you to think about it. What made him special, I promise I'll come back to the story in a minute. What made him special was he was committed to believing and, and doing what God said. He was committed to pleasing God. That was his life passion. I want to please God. So here's a question. Do you believe God enough to make pleasing him your top priority? Is that your top priority in your life? Do you believe God enough to do what he asked you to do? Is that your top priority in life? Two guys model this. Now, then in the middle of this, verse 6 comes up and sort of like, you know, the writer is feeling good and he says, let me just summarize it this way, guys. Without faith, before I go any further, before I list anybody else who had faith and who walked by faith... Before I show you any more people with courageous faith, let's make a statement. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must first believe that he is, that he is, that he is, that he is God. You must, I am not just talking to somebody. I'm talking to someone who is God. It's kind of like when the police officer uh, puts the lights on you, you know who he is. You can't keep driving. If you do, you know what he can do take you down to the place you don't want to go because he is. And you know you're dealing with God, and so when you're dealing with God, your your faith, your belief makes you respond to him differently. And you also know that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. His ultimate goal is to bless you. So if you believe that, you respond that way. And here's what I want you to think about for a minute. This is important. (laughs) I don't know that we believe that. He is God. If you look at the way we live and the choices we make, that does come into question. It just comes into question. I'm always fascinated by things I see people do. There were some guys who decided they wanted to swim with polar bears. True story. You can Google it. A lady did it, one of the ones I saw recently. She just wanted to, and so, I mean, I don't know if she thinks they can't swim. Because they had, they had a little pool right by the polar bear in, you know, place, and it was, this is was amazing. So, so in this story, a guy jumped in, um, and then a lady jumped in, and they had it on video where she jumped in, and the thing bit her, and she screamed. Of course she screamed. Well, because, you know, she survived, which is amazing that she survived. The guy didn't, but she survived. And you just think sometimes, what do you believe? I mean, really, you know what I'm saying? Just what do you believe? What is it? You know, I, I tell the story often about how I went to the zoo and, and the lady, jumped, her glasses fell into the encampment with the um, ostriches, ostriches, you know, ostriches. Am I saying ostriches? Yeah. yeah, those things. Anyway, so, she, so to me, I would say they're lost. It wouldn't come to my mind to climb down in there. It wouldn't, it wouldn't come to my mind. To climb over the fence, she did. She climbed over the fence, and she climbed down in there. I didn't know she was down there until I saw the ostriches doing. Roof. They were doing that when I look because I'm, I'm I'm at the zoo, right? I'm watching the ostriches. So, boy, they having a moment. What's going on? And then I look down, and there's this woman down there climbing up, with and she goes, "Shh." I'm thinking, "Oh, girl, <laughs> thou art crazy. What is? The, are those expensive? I mean, they must be really expensive shades." So she goes down and she gets it on her own. I just looked at her. Glad you made it back. I don't know how they fight, but they were looking at her like, oh, yeah. I didn't know they they do a kung fu move. They do do like that. I thought, man, this is amazing. But she believed. That is courageous faith, I guess. I don't know. No, that's courageous foolishness. That's what that is. That's, That's what that is. That's. Call the zoo people, tell the zoo people to get it tonight and mail it back to me. Praise God. That's what you do. The next guy that's mentioned is is Noah, who's interesting. Noah believed when he was warned. Now, Noah didn't need anything but a warning that a flood was coming. And because of that belief system, he responded. Look at verse 7 of Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, Notice, he hadn't seen anything. He had not seen rain. This is important. Not yet seen rain. Rain, was, rain did not come to after the flood. There was water, would, mist would come from the ground and water the earth prior to the flood. So no one had seen rain. So Noah heard about this. He was warned of things not yet seen. Warned of things not yet seen. Noah being divinely, what did the Bible say here? Warned of things not yet seen. Moved with godly fear. Prepared an ark. For the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. So here's a guy who responds with just a warning. And the end result you'll see in a minute was he saved his whole household. Do you believe God enough to just heed the warning? Or do you need proof? Adam and Eve stopped believing the warning. That was the sin in the garden. The day you eat this fruit, you die. And the serpent said to them in chapter 3 of Genesis, you won't die. A lot of you have friends and people in your life who told you that's not true. You won't die. It doesn't matter. You're too extreme. And so you tend to compromise your, your convictions because someone told you to not heed the warning. I have not heeded the warning. I have been on the other side of that and things have happened, and I didn't hear. But tell your neighbors, come on, say, but I can hear now. Come on. Amen. Amen. The last guy is mentioned is Abraham. He believed, and he believed so much that he moved and kept trying to have a son. 25 years. Catch this now. Look at verse 8 of chapter 11. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as inheritance. And he went out not knowing, read this with me, please, come on, not knowing where he was going. Please hold this for a minute and think about it. God calls him and says, okay, guy, I need you to move. You're hanging around idol worshippers. you got to get out of your daddy's house. You, you cannot, you cannot, you cannot serve me here. So I need you to move. Now, I want you to go that way, go south. Pardon? So here's the deal. You get my car, right, okay? And I say, we are going someplace and you say what where and I say we're going that way and you say where I say south and you say where I I don't know I don't really know where we're going it's that way I know it's south I know it's that way that's that's what Abraham did you got to understand this he didn't he didn't have like a GPS or anything you know, not, he just had to go south, and so he did not know where he was going. So he gets up, he goes, he drags his family, leaves his daddy's house, leaves his home, leaves all the things he knew, right? All the cousins, all the nephews, everybody, sisters, anybody else in his family. Think about this for a minute. This is a huge decision. And you're traveling with tents, right? So you leave, and you go, and now all of a sudden you get to this place. Look at verse 9. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country. So he's going, and every night, people are going, is this it? No, keep going. No, is this it? No, keep going. And then when he finally gets to the place, and he says, okay, this is it. This is where I think we should stop here. This is is our Canaan promised land. So he stops there, but he's in a foreign country. doesn't speak the languages. He's dwelling in tents. He ends up with the son Isaac and Jacob. He becomes the heirs of the same promise. For he waited for the city, which had foundations, whose builder and maker was God. Here's a guy who's waiting for God to build the city, give him all these children he promised, and he has no kids. This is amazing. This is called a courageous leap of faith. Are you willing to move like that? Here's what I promise you. If you ever truly sell out to God, you will have to move away from something. Yes, you will. You enjoy me here? Ah, don't worry. Watch this. What I had to do in order to be here was I had to drink the water of change. Yes, I did. Ah, had to leave L.A. had to move from Los Angeles all the way to Savannah. What was that like? What would make me think that I could come here and start a church? That would grow. I didn't even have it in my mind I was going to be a pastor. Drink that down. <laughs> How in the world are you? I, I mean, I mean, all I knew, and this is the truth, about Savannah in this area. I was born on 40th. I was born here, though, raised in L.A., but I was born on 40th and a Geechee right off of Geechee Road. My experience in Savannah was a Geechee Road, East Savannah. I didn't even go to the south side. I went to the border of the south side, and I looked down the road one day. I said, there's some rich people down there (laughs) years ago. That's where the money was, the the growth was. I didn't didn't have a, a, a glorious vision of this place. So you compare that vision to Los Angeles. So, okay. Hollywood, Geechee Road. <laughs> you want me to go where? You want me to go back to Savannah? You want me to go back to Savannah? Really? Really? Yeah, yeah, I want you to go back to Savannah. I mean, I, I just didn't have a broad experience. What is it? What are you willing to leave? What, what, what relationships are you willing to change? Well, watch this now. He moved, but not only did he move, he then had this incredible belief that he was going to have a child. Verse 11, by faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. And she bore a child when she was past, read this with me, please. She was past the what? Age. Past the age. You can understand that. Let's pretend that all of a sudden God was to inspire you. Ready? Lift your hands up high. I'm going to prophesy to you. You will now have children again. (laughs) You will start all, put your hands back up, put your hands up. See, look at that, look at that. Okay, put your hands down. See, I don't like that. See, some of you put your hands down right away. Uh Uh-uh, just stop this prophecy. Put this, then you put your hand down. It's all good. You put it down. Yeah, see, right away, right away, right away. You don't want to hear that prophecy. Not over your life. In the name. Twins, I see twins. Quadruplets. (laughs) <laughs> see, see, look at all scared. See, right ready? You not look at, See, right there, They don't want that. They don't want to talk about that. See, see that Sarah and Abraham were seventy-five years old in Genesis chapter twelve when God told him this. Seventy-five, and you're not even there. Thank you. Some of you say I'm close, but well, good. You ready to get started? Can't y'all see that right there? Can't y'all? Can't you, Ricky, can't you see 70? Can't you see it, man? You ready to start again, bro? You ready? No. He said, no, he ain't ready, he ain't ready to start again. What, what, what is all this? What is all this right now? Fresh out. Get going, man. This right now. See, all this. No, no. Everybody's saying no. Everybody's saying no. Now, see, some of you say, yeah, I know, but it's very few. 75. And then here's the, here's the deal. It's going to take 25 years of trying. From this point, <laughs> now that's worse. Some of you say, oh, that's even worse now. We can't be trying. Really, 24 years and three months to be exact. 24 years and three months. Now, that, that, that's what, that's, that, my friend, is what God called him to. Do you believe God enough to move? That's the first question. And do you believe that you can still be fruitful? Here's, well, I want you to think about this. Now, I don't mean any harm. I understand that you believe you're past the age. But I want you to see how courageous their faith was. We're going to try for 24 years and three months before we have the moment. Amazing. Now, what's really amazing is, you take all four of these people, right? All four of them did not receive what they believed for in their lifetime. They didn't get everything. Abraham never saw thousands of children. Abel was murdered. All the guys in the list received a portion of it. Here's what I think is fascinating. and This really helped me today. I tend to think I should get everything I dream of in my lifetime. I tend to think that what we do at Overcome by Faith, we should do it all. So I believe we're going to build a couple more buildings. I believe we have a couple more things to do. And I mean that literally, but but I should not think that I'm doing everything that this church will ever do. One of the joys of going to First African Baptist Church, the oldest African American, depending. Okay, some of y'all are gonna argue about that, but the First. Let me just say it this way: the First African Baptist Church. For those who are watching from home, many believe that's the first. Um, and there's argument about this now: the oldest African American church in America, or or and there's another group that says no. So we'll say amen, however it works. But when you go there, here's the deal. There's a list of pastors on, on, uh, uh, on, the, on the wall. They're pictures. Y'all going to have a picture of me when I go? That's one person, Lord Jesus. It's not that, it's not that important, trust me. But anyway, the, it's, it's amazing how when I look at those guys and I think, he was here for 30 years, he was here for 20 years, he was here for... When you do something, you think you're the final generation. But what you should understand is you're part, of the, you're part of a team, and you pass the baton. What we do here is pass the baton, and church when, in the next 20, 30 years is totally different. A lot of it's going to be digital. A lot of it's going to be a mix of digital and presence. A lot of what we do in designing our buildings in the future, a lot of what we have to do is decide how to, in, in, how to engage the world as it changes. But the world is changing. Can you move? Can you change? Can you be a part of the team? Listen to what this verse said. You'll see how it all fits together when I read this verse to you. This verse is amazing. Hebrews 11 verse 13. It says, they all died in faith. But notice they all died. That's, that's important here. They all died. What did they all do? They all died, right? They all died in faith, not having received the promises. But having seen them far off, they were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they are they seek a homeland. The bottom line is they did not receive the promise. Now, why would they believe? Why would they believe and not and, and not be worried. Why would they trust God? Well, I, I think they had a history. If you look at the four guys, right, they had a reason to believe by faith. Abel, for example, he saw God honor his sacrifice. Genesis chapter 4, verse 4 through 5. The Bible said that Abel also brought the, of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat, and the Lord respected Abel in his offering. But he did not respect Cain his offering. Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. But notice that Abel had a reason to trust God. If you look back in your life, be honest. He's been there for you. He has honored you. Secondly, look at Enoch. Enoch saw God's favor. That's why he could believe. He saw it in his life. Look at chapter 5 of Genesis, verse 21. Enoch lived how long? 65 years. And then he and his wife said, baby, it's time to have children. So they got Methuselah. Now, think about that. They waited 65 years before they had their first child. Then after he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with who? God. Now, he walked with God how long? 300 years. Now, see, this is a man who did not, he's not a new believer. 300 years, he's faithful to God. 300 years. This is why he pleased God. This is a guy who was not a fly by night. 300 years. Now, watch this. The Bible said, so, verse 23, all the days of Enoch were 300 years. And 65 years, and then, now I'm sorry, back up the train. I want you to see this. Don't miss this. So he got Methuselah after he was 65 years old. Then uh, Then he walked with God 300 years, and then within that period, he said, well, let's have some more children. They had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years, and Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. See, God took him after 365 years of faithfulness. 365 years of being consistent. Then you have Noah. He was saved. He believed. He, could, he, he didn't have to get everything he, he, he saw in his future. But he remembered that boat. Don't you remember the boat that God provided for you? The Bible said, this is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man. Listen to this. This is so amazing. Perfect in his generation. Noah walked with God. Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth, was, the earth around him was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt, for all flesh had, com- had com- corrupted their way on the earth. But there was one guy who was amazing, Noah. You know, Noah didn't get everything he wanted, but he could remember God did tell me about that rain that nobody heard of before. And, and when I told people about it, and, you know, it, it, believe, it depends on how long you believe he built it. Some say 120 years. But imagine if you build the boat, imagine you to talk of the neighborhood. You know, all the people, you know, your grandchildren. For 120 years, that means your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, your great-great-grandchildren. All of them say, who is that man? Everybody's been talking about him for generations. And what's he doing? He's building a boat because something called rain's coming, he said. And all he had was a warning. But that's all it took. How much does it take for you? I mean, every time I see people do this, I don't know if you ever Googled this or not. I see people smoking. Getting gas. All the, it's amazing to me. It's just amazing to me. I see them. Oh, no, I'm sorry. On the cell phone. No, cell phone. Cell phone. If Google cell phone uh, gas station blow up, just Google that. And it's boom. It's amazing. It's just because the sparks. You know, that you shouldn't be touching the, the thing and, because it, the spark from your hand and the friction. And a boom. And I see people, hey, child. I said, watch out. Look at that person. All I needed to see was the warning. Lastly, Abraham. Now, it should be a was there. Abraham was 99.3 years old when his wife became pregnant. The Lord visited Sarah, and he had, a, and, and he had said, as he had said, And they had this son. Now here's the deal. Watch this. This is a loose end I want you to see. God promised Abraham a year earlier that he was one year away from his promise. Genesis 18:14. you may have missed this in your study. Genesis 18:14. The Bible said, God told Abraham. Right after, catch this now, after Abraham agreed to circumcision, God told him, said, a year from now, you're going to have a son. Once you, once, once you enter into covenant with me at this next level and get circumcised, a year from now, you're going to have a son. Look at chapter 18, verse 14. Is anything too hard for God? I will be, I'll be back about this time next year, and Sarah will have a baby. Verse chapter 17, Abraham had a 13-year-old son. From Hagar, who God made this one year, when God made this one year declaration, Abraham was 99 years old. This is Genesis 17, 23. Abraham was how old? 99 years old when he was circumcised. His son Ishmael was 13 years old. Remember, Ishmael was the son he had because he lost faith. I love the fact that God is honest about how people can have great faith and then all of a sudden have a bad moment. In Genesis 16, he has a bad moment. You can have a bad moment and still change. He changed. And so now his son Ishmael is 13 years old, and God looks at him and says, Hey, listen, a year from now, a year from now. Can you say a year from now? A year from now, everything is going to change. That, my friend, is what I've experienced in serving God. There are moments when it takes longer than I expected. There are moments when I didn't get everything I thought I would get in a certain time frame. And here's what I believe. Everything I believe for, all the faith I have in front of me, will not be materialized in my lifetime. But I have enough in my history. I have enough stories in my past to know that my God is faithful. Come on, say amen. amen. Father, some things we're going to pass to our children that we thought we would have for us. Some of the assignments you've given this church will be lived out in our lives and some will be lived out in the future. But, God, we thank you and we believe by faith that you have called us. We believe that your hand is on our lives. We believe that you have given us this opportunity. We trust you, we love you, and we celebrate you. We ask you, Lord God, to let your spirit rest on us. And we pray that where people have been struggling and where they've had a hard time trying to find their way, may this be the season, may this be the moment that they say, I need to have courageous faith. I need to live as though I believe what God said is true. I need to embrace the faith of these four people. And I thank you, Father, that they show me I don't have to be perfect. There are a lot of things, Lord God that you want to do in our lives that we will struggle with, moving to a new place, believing that we can still be fruitful. We have many times given up on our fruitful dreams because of our age, because of past failures. Sometimes we walk with God for just 20 years, and we think God should take us. But this guy, Enoch, was 365 years faithful service and still going. Father, help us to learn from that. True faith is not about instant rewards. True faith is about long-term persistence. It's about trusting you, believing to be true what you've said. May that be reflected in our words when we're angry, when we're frustrated, when we're lonely, when we feel isolated, offended, when we're offended, let us say, I believe God's way is the best way to respond to this. When I feel left out, let me say, I, God's way is the best way to respond to this. When the dragons of financial challenge are flying around us, do it the, we, we believe that you, God, will show us the best way. The best way. The best way. Father, we lift our hearts to you today, thanking In Jesus' name, amen. With every head bowed, every eye closed still. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Rick, well, look at me. I want you to look at me for a second. Do you have a relationship with God or do you have a religious experience with God? If you believe what the Bible says, God wants you to have a relationship with him. I was a teenager when I came to this understanding that I did not need to just go to church because I didn't go to church. I used to play basketball on Sunday. That was my church for years. I was the guy with the boom box walking down the street making noise. I was not a church person at all. I used to cuss when the gospel music would come on the radio because I wanted to hear my music all day. And they had this block from 6 to 12 where they play gospel music. And so all morning long, I had to hear bringing in the sheaves. I thought it was awful. Because I didn't understand the words. I didn't know what they were saying. And I only knew a couple of gospel songs. I was a God. My mother taught me to be a God-fearer. We feared God. We prayed every night. We prayed over our food. We had a big Bible we never read. Not one time. I had a big Bible in the front room. You ever had that Bible? Never opened it. Don't touch it. That's what I was holy. It's so, okay. <laughs> I didn't touch it. I never read it. Honest to God, never, never. We didn't grow up reading Bible verses. We went to church, and that's the only time I read the Bible was in church at Sunday school. I was not a church person. But my mother told me, don't lie, don't steal. Taught me the Ten Commandments. I didn't know all of them. I had a few, right? The lying and the stealing. The rest of them was okay. That's true. One day, God touched me. Because see, God looks for your heart. He said, "Hey, go, Pastor Rick, walking down the street with that boombox. Look at him. That's Pastor Rick. That's the future preacher, overcome by faith, right there. He don't know it yet, though. I got to get that boy from here to there. How do I do that?" And so he started messing with me. Started messing with my mind. I got these feelings. I remember I was walking down Exposition Boulevard in Los Angeles, and all of a sudden the spirit came on me, so strong. And I just felt like I wanted to sing a gospel song. And I just sang, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound, and Save a Wretch Like Me. I knew that part. I didn't know what wretch meant, but I just sang it. I just sang it out loud. I, I remember I was on the right side of the street. I remember where I was. I remember I, was, I, can, I can take you to the spot. And I sang that thing all the way home. Okay, I know before, a couple of verses. So I just sang it over, over. But the more I sang it, the more I felt something. Mm. And then I saw I had a pastor. We didn't go to church. I had a pastor. Reverend McGee. And I remember when the race to have Nacker Baptist Church. Three times a year. Four times. (laughs) true. And I remember I saw him one day going down the street. I said, hey. I I was trying to tell my friends, you know, something happening to me, man. I feel something. They said, I said, I feel like God's talking to me. They said, How long have you been feeling this way, Tim? You need to get checked, boy, something wrong with you. That's what they told me. Sure enough. I saw my pastor ride down the street, and I ran over to the car, and I said, hey. I leaned in. He stopped his car, and I said, hey, uh, something's happening to me. I feel like God or something is talking to me. I said that to him. He said, well, keep on praying, and he drove off. Honest to God, he drove off. He should have pulled over his car, got out of his car. I said, young know I man, tell me what you said. You don't see a young boy, teenage boy, 13, 14 years old, telling you he feels like God is... Talking to him. You need to park your car Reverend, for a minute. So I, I just kept on going. But one day, not long after that, I was on Western Avenue. And I just felt overwhelmed. That same presence, the Holy Spirit, that same presence came on me. And I found myself sitting on a church stoop on about 27th Street. And there I was sitting there. And I looked behind me and there I was at a church. I've told this too much. I'll probably tell 20 times. no, another no, 500 times, so just get ready for it. And there I was, and I looked behind me, and the church door was open. Three ladies had decided to do something that day. God woke them up and said, I want you all to go to church today. Put on your white dresses. I'm going to send Pastor Ricky Temple by to you. He don't know he's going to be a pastor, but I'm going to send him by to you. He's going to be dressed up in little jeans and little shirts. And he's not going to have his boombox that day, but he's going to be sitting out there crying. Don't know why he's crying. Don't know what's on him. He's going to feel like something's wrong with me. I thought something was wrong. I said, What am I crying for, God? And I remember praying, God, I don't know why I feel this way. And son that boy, Spirit of God, go in that church. I said, Go in there. Hang on. And then I went in there anyway. And I, and I never will forget that sermon. She only said one thing. I remember one thing. One thing. She looked and she pointed when I walked in the door and said, Don't play with God. That's all I remember. Don't play with God. And let me tell you, in that moment, tears came down my eyes, and I got got out of here, man. I'm going crazy. I walked out to the back door, and they said, can we pray for you? They got the courage to see this young boy. Can we pray? And I said these words, no. I did. I said no, <laughs> and I walked out the door. And the same spirit came on me. Go back in there. Go back in that door. Let them pray for you. I walked out the door. And I walked back in the door, and they must have prayed me back in that door. And I came back in, and they got around me. And I only remember the prayer. I only remember this one prayer. I didn't even know what it meant, but I remember what they said over me. All three ladies. They could have avoided that day. They could have said, Well, I go to church. Nobody's gonna be here. They ain't but us. And they only had one little boy and a woman. And the little boy was looking at me like I was crazy. Because I was crying. Like, what that little boy What are he crying for? And I, I remember they prayed these words. They said, Lord, save him and use him for your glory. That's all they said. Save him and use him for your glory. Come on, shout amen. Come on, save him. Save him. I don't know their names. Years later, I went back by there. They were still there years later. I don't know. I did wish I'd gotten their names. I wish I'd. And I said, I'm the guy you prayed for. He said, we remember you. By that time, I was in Bible college. By that time, I was saved. Are you a religious person? Or do you have a relationship? You will always struggle in your mind and your heart until you get connected. Amen. And he teaches you how to think. That was the day he changed my life. My friend said, where you been, man? I said, no, worry about it, bro. Just let it go. Put my cool back on Don't worry about it. Because you can't hear. They couldn't hear what I just experienced. Because I didn't know what I'd experienced. It wasn't until I went to a church a year later that they used terms I never heard before. Saved, born again. Then I said, what does that mean? And then I, oh, that's what I did a year ago. Maybe that's what you need to do. Maybe you need a genuine relationship with God. And they say, most people who get saved, get saved as teenagers. By the time you're 18, there's only a 4% chance you're going to come to Christ. It's when you're young. Every head, body, every eye closed. If you want me to pray for you because you want what I have, you want to see God the way I see God, you want God in your life in a real way, I want you right now to simply do one thing. I want you simply to raise your hand so I can pray for you so I know who I'm praying for. I see one, I see two, I see three, I see four, I see five, I see six, I see seven, I see eight, I see nine. Do I see any more? I see ten, I see eleven. Anybody else? Who am I praying for today? Father, I lift up all of these hands. And I lift up all those who are watching and may this be the moment that they say, Jesus, I want a genuine relationship with God. I surrender my life to you. I bring my imperfections, my confusion, and I lay it at the altar and I say, God, I thank you and I praise you and I give you honor and glory. And I ask you in Jesus' name to be my strength. Thank you for dying on the cross so that I could be saved and delivered. You made it possible for me to come to you today. And I bring me to you all that I have. And I surrender my life, my words, my future, my choices, my life to you. In Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. amen. Now here's the deal. I'm close to deal with this final thought. Two quick thoughts. One. There was a season in my life when I was young and I would come to Christ and I was confused. I just got between some Christians that were fighting and arguing. Now, I remember I was in prayer. Prayer has always been the place. Prayer has been the place a lot of things started for me. When I went to Bible college, I was, I was praying when I felt like going. God led me in prayer. If you, if you pray, it'll change everything in your life, I promise you. But, but when I was praying, a word came to my heart. Your entire problem, with con, your, the, why you're confused is because you don't know enough. But I'm going to help you fix that. And after that prayer meeting, God brought people into my life who taught me the word. The word of God changed my life. I kid you not. I'm not being religious. I I mean this. If you want to know the single thing that changed my life, it was me understanding the word of God. There's nothing like having my own car. I can get in and drive my way to where I want to be. And when you have the right thoughts in your mind, when you have enough knowledge, you can get into a problem and drive your way out of it in Jesus' name. Yes, you can. Come on, amen. You can drive your way. I know it. No, I ain't doing that. No, 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 no. This is, I, I know how to manage my money now. I understand how to take care of my body. I understand the importance of rest. Those are things I drive because I know. The last thing I want to tell you is I was praying, again, teenager. All this happened when I was a teenager. And I, stu- I was standing over a diving board. And in my heart, I remember this, this so strongly, the, wo- the voice came to me, the, the water is me. God, me. I want you to jump in and drown. They don't know this. Get a microphone. Get Beverly a mic. Get Bev a mic. Because I want you, teenagers to hear me. I'm not making this up. Let every word be established at the mouth of two or three witnesses. Come up here. How was I when you met me? 16. Tell him loud. So how old was I? You were 16 years old when I met you. What was it? Saved was to the bone. <laughs> I was amazed that he was so mature and loved God so much. He said no, but I'm telling you, every way he went, he had a Bible in his hand and carried like this. That's my image of him as a kid. <laughs> I had, had a little pocket size when it was small. <laughs> <laughs> I was a normal guy as a teenager. But that word, jump in and drown. You want a lot from God, but you won't drown. You're holding on to your pornography, You're holding on to the world. Holding on to your ways. Relationships that aren't healthy. I struggled. I got I can give you my testimony. I struggled. Stay holy. I struggled. Temptations, but I kept going back in the water. And I kept drowning. Some of you need to drown today. Totally surrender your life. No more games. Don't play with God. I see that woman. When I counsel these preachers and I see what they do, I say, don't play with God. I hear what I don't want to hear. I know what I don't want to know. Father, help us today. Leave this place changed. Help us today to surrender our lives to you. It's going to take courageous faith to change. If I come to you, you'll help me. And no weapon formed against me will prosper. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much. God bless you, man. It's been great. Wow. God bless you all.